0: Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Friday Injury Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardis. Joining me, as always, in this lovely Friday afternoon, PFF analyst Nick Bodiford. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, Ian. Good to see you. How
1: you doing,
0: Doing good, man. It's good to be back. I uh, selfishly, I'm, I know I, I'm not going to take the fall. My friend selfishly had a fall Saturday wedding. I tried to get this in last week. I failed, so I apologize to all of you about that. Hoping that will be the one and only miss for this entire season. So let's focus on the present and focus on a week eight injury report that is awfully long once again. Plenty of trades are in the air. Plenty of guys getting added late week. Plenty to talk about after we get through each and every fantasy relevant injury. Nick and I will also be going through some prop bets and favorite DFS. DFS plays of the week. So appreciate you guys that have reached out, talked about wanting to get more of a DFS presence in here. I love it. It's how, you know, I really came up in this industry from the start being DFS focused. So really do like that final edition we now have going. So with all that said, everyone going to start off with the quarterback position, nothing to really overly worry about, except for in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill is questionable with an ankle injury. He didn't practice start the week. He got back on the field on Thursday and then didn't practice on Friday. So look, Nick, we're not excited about starting Tannehill regardless I do have him in like a super flex league or two so I know sometimes you got to do what you got to do but he's certainly not someone just in this run first offense that many people are excited about But if he gets ruled out, all of a sudden Malik Willis enters the picture. How excited do you think we should be about potentially playing Malik Willis, who, no, we're not expecting him to be the most polished passer to start, but we have seen many a rookie quarterback be perfectly fine in fantasy because of that sweet, sweet rushing upside, even if them being great real-life assets still might be a ways away.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd be excited about him, and I'd start him in a desperation situation. Rankings-wise, I'd put him in at, I think, QB thirteen.
0: That's actually right on, man. I was looking at that Trevor Lawrence, that Justin Fields spot. I have them QB 13, QB 14 right now. I think that's right where he fits in. I would start Malik Willis ahead of guys like Russell Wilson, how far we freaking come Marcus Mariota, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the rest of the guys. So truly just based on him coming out, I mean, some of the conversations, if you guys have been listening to this podcast throughout the offseason, when we've had on, you know, more dynasty, more draft experts and the, Again, common just idea with him was that the second he steps into a starting role, he's going to be arguably the second most lethal rushing quarterback behind only Lamar Jackson. So we can talk about, you know, Fields and obviously, you know, Trey Lance before he got injured. There were other contenders. Just realize he's firmly in that conversation. And again, has that skill set to be far better in fantasy than real life. Also have five other quarterbacks where the situations are already decided. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, good to go. He keeps getting the Wednesday off with the right thumb. And we saw him like holding it, last week like this is clearly a problem for him they didn't throw a hail mary at the end of the game and this is mr H- mr hail mary right here i was getting psyched up for it and they had to do the lateral play low-key amazing throw by Rodgers at the end that went right through the O-lineman's legs. Just a pretty hilarious moment for everyone that wasn't a uh, Green Bay fan right there. But yeah, not the spot you want to be starting him this week against that juggernaut Bills defense on Sunday night. Again, Malik Willis, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, all guys I would be willing to start ahead of Rodgers this week. Also have, let's ride, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson back in the lineup with that hamstring injury. London game, everybody. Jaguars, Broncos, 9.30 Eastern AM on Sunday. If you you're like me and you like to sleep in, we got to either get that shit done on Saturday night or set those alarm early on Sunday. So I don't think there's actually on either of these teams, anyone we need to overly worry about, which is the good news. So fingers crossed that we don't get a surprise inactive or anything, but I th- think all these guys and Broncos and Jaguars are good to go for Sunday. So at least we have that going for us. Colts quarterback Matt Ryan, not benched because of the shoulder, Nick, but he's ruled out because the shoulder in, in anyway. Like, how'd that conversation go? Matt's just sitting there, training room, you know, just really in pain. And Frank Reich pats him on the back. And it's like, by the way, man, get better, but you are also benched. So yeah, don't worry about that. Sam Ellinger, I'm sure we'll be talking about him a little bit later in our DFS section. And finally, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. He got banged up really early in the game last week and was limited to start the week with a back injury. He is not listed good to go as a top 10 option at the position against his banged up Saints secondary. Moving on again to running back, we got Raheem Mostert with a knee injury. I was nervous, Nick. He popped up on Thursday as limited after being in full. He was limited again on Friday, but he is not listed and fully expected to see his usual 15-plus touches and 60% snap rate. This is a matchup here we were all expecting Tua and company to go bonkers against the Lions. But, Nick, I feel like Mostert really warrants strong RB2 considerations should be in a lot of lineups, and is a decent enough uh, DFS? I don't want to say full contrarian play. I know he's already got a decent amount of roster going but I do think Mostert's breakout potential is being overlooked a little bit this week because of all the Tony Pollard noise
1: yep I, that's all fair I did uh the FF hustle with Brian Drake earlier this week he talked about Mostert as a a rest of season candidate based on his uh kind of post 11 uh, post week 11 by uh rushing schedule I for the the knee reason like to add uh, I, I would like I would be suggesting people add Chase Edmonds
0: good call my friend lions running back deandre swift not listed he's back baby in full all week ankle shoulder not a problem get him in those lineups you know going into this week just ranking him at the beginning of the week i thought he might be back and because of that i had him more as a low-end rb2 just a little bit worried because in week two we did see them have him active but not actually be willing to fully feature him but not even having a designation i think deandre swift is right back in that top 12 running back conversation like full ppr nick deandre swift first damian pierce i think i'm taking swift am i crazy
1: no you're not yeah (laughs) this game is gonna pop off
0: there's a pretty oh man like it's the way these running back rotations are breaking we're starting to get just a lot of fancy friendly guys walker pierce etn stevenson they're all in that zone and guess what all these guys should be started if you have any sort of start sick question with deandre swift you better have a damn blessed lineup to be offering anything about that in Arizona, running back James Conner thought he was going to be able to get back out there this week, but it was a DMP on Friday, and he has already been ruled out with that rib injury. So, hey, two claps for Cliff Kingsbury, actually not giving us the usual game time decision bullshit, especially always makes it harder with the Cardinals playing at four. So, Daryl Williams also questionable with the knee injury. So, Eno you know, Benjamin's going to see 15 plus touches out here in around 70% of the snaps. So, I'm going to be moving Eno, I mean, obviously... Up a little bit, man. Definitely a top twenty running back. How would you feel about Eno versus like Daryl Henderson, Nick? I almost lean Eno.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I definitely lean Eno. Yes.
0: So truly, Eno Benjamin, someone that went out there last week. He is getting the pretty much true three down roll We'll see a little bit of Keontae Ingram, but both Connor and Williams being banged up. Can't say enough good things for Eno in an offense that does seem to be finally ascending with uh, the return of the Hopkins. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs was on the injury report with a foot injury limited throughout the week, but he's not listed. Good to go. Expect that usual workhorse role. Don't need more than one hand to count the number of running backs to start ahead of Josh Jacobs this week. Tony Pollard, truthers, embrace, rejoice, whatever you want to do. Ezekiel Elliott is doubtful with that knee injury. So Mike McCarthy, man, if, if there is ever going to be a guy played through a doubtful designation, it seems like Z could maybe have a chance to do so just the way he and McCarthy have talked, but. It's like oh, well over 90% of doubtful players never end up playing. So it's it's a one o'clock game. I really can't imagine a scenario where Zeke is going to be out there playing. So in that case, yeah, it's Tony Pollard. He's going to be a top five running back. The amount of just extra people we've had like trying to tell us, we, we know, okay? Fantasy football doesn't have to be the hard- hardest. Tony Pollard is really good. And when Zeke's out, he gets a workhorse role. There we go, everyone. Get him into those lineups. A more tricky situation to go through is in Carolina with Chuba Hubbard missing this one with an ankle injury. So, Nick, I do think Deontay Foreman will see most of the backfield work, but I don't, it could be 60 40 or something with Raheem Blackshear. Do you have any sort of lean on what this post CMC, post Chuba Panthers backfield could look like?
1: Uh, I think that Blackshear is worth a speculative ad. I would have a really hard time adding him or or starting him. Like I, I liked Blackshear in the preseason. Uh, Foreman, he lived on big plays last week. He was terribly inefficient outside of a couple of long gains though. So it, it, yeah, I, Maybe Blackshear and GPP like the deepest of, of, of
0: tournaments, but yeah, it's I, I don't want Blackshear. I am just wondering if he could limit Foreman. And hey, we don't want to take away the guy's big plays, but it's not even more so about that. It's like, do we expect this offense to keep producing big plays and touchdown opportunities and targets to Deontay Foreman? All those questions I just asked, I would probably say no to. So Deontay Foreman, someone that as I'm looking at the ranks right now, I mean, I. I had Chuba RB 27 before this even happened. So even if it's a little bit of a bump, maybe RB he's a borderline RB two. If you want to be nice, if I get any start sick questions involving Deontay Foreman with a reasonable RB two, I am picking the other guy every single time. Also Rams running back, Daryl Henderson had an illness, but he's not listed. Cam makers is out. Once again, due to personal Williams, we don't, Personal reasons. We don't have Kyron Williams back just yet. He's still on IR with the foot injury. Malcolm Brown will still be a little bit involved, but hey, Daryl Henderson, you know, two weeks ago before the bye, 70% plus snaps and was their featured running back. So still have some questions about the Rams offense, especially against Nick Bosa and company. At least for this week, though, it does seem like Henderson should be that guy. Nick, I get this. I, I, I think it was Evan Silva that actually tweeted it, though. I, I have this feeling that the Rams aren't done adding to this position. I don't know if they're comfortable enough trusting Kyron Williams. To merely come back and provide a spark. They've never seen this guy be healthy and play an actual professional snap yet. As Evan Silva noted, the Rams apparently were in the running for Christian McCaffrey. So I don't have a source beyond that. But like, do we just gut feeling, Nick? Like, do we really think Daryl Henderson is going to be the Rams' featured running back the rest of the season? I don't really think so.
1: Uh, no, probably not. If if it's if it isn't like Kareem Hunt, then it probably will just be Kyron Williams or or he'll be the lead back by like a 51% margin. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: I wouldn't even be shocked if Malcolm Brown eats into this a little bit more. Nobody loves Malcolm Brown more than Sean McVay after all. And appreciate our YouTube chat. Our guy Victor saying that they are indeed interested in Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Hey, I was, uh, I do these shows with a bleacher report every week. It's a good time. But if we look at like, Think logically about the main guys we have on the trade block right now. Kareem Hunt is one of them, and I know Kareem Hunt's roster, but what's going to be the first move that happens as soon as Kareem Hunt is or if he's traded somewhere, Dearness Johnson becomes the key waiver wire pickup. So if you guys have a deep bench right now, you just have someone out there that you're just leaving on the bench, you know, for locker room purposes or whatever, don't be afraid to cut them in favor of Dearness Johnson, who without Kareem Hunt in the picture, all of a sudden, no, we're not feeling good about starting Dearness Johnson in the flex, but he becomes one of the most valuable handcuffs and fantasy. We saw that three times last year, where both Chubb and Hunt were out of the picture. And we got returned with legit top 10 fantasy production each and every time. So dearest Johnson, I think, makes a lot of sense with Kareem Hunt. Mike Jasicki, if he happens to be available, he's already starting to get a little bit more involved in Miami. God forbid he becomes the Packers' lone one good free agent you know not free agent but the one time they try to you know really juice up this offense we've heard some rumors about that so I like the Mike Jasicki KJ Hamler if the Jerry Judy stuff ends up being real all of a sudden he's in two wide receiver sets and the final note was Nico Collins he's already banged up right now so I think there's a better chance he's out there it doesn't seem like it's a super long thing if Brandon Cooks does end up actually getting shipped out though all of a sudden it's Nico Collins Texans wide receiver one season Over at wide receiver now, we got Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams, questionable with apparently a pretty severe illness, but we're expecting him to go ahead, give it his best Michael Jordan flu game effort. Also have Mac Hollins, questionable with a heel. He's been playing through this, and Hunter Renfro with the hip injury isn't listed. Unfortunately, Mac Hollins is the one really playing the full-time role, so can't quite get behind Renfro. Go ahead. If Adams is healthy and he's active, we need to fire him up, especially. I mean, just, just always. I shouldn't even say especially, but the matchup, like the upside for Adams is the roof, and with Marshall Sean Lattimore out for the Saints might as well be on the moon. Dolphins wide receiver Jalen Waddle not listed with a shoulder injury. Always continue to fire him up in lineups of all shapes and sizes. And the terrible news, Nick. Well, I guess we got a little bit better news just now on Jamar Chase. He's out with the hip injury. He's not an IR, though. I did see some people wondering if this could legit be season-ending variety. So I believe they said it was a small with stress fracture in his hip. Do you get the exact reading on that, Nick?
1: It is a hairline fracture with a labral tear. okay uh uh, jeff muller uh physical therapist on twitter his his recommendation is to buy as soon as possible
0: great okay i (laughs) i love i love love jeff's work that's fantastic news then okay it's i I was only reason i was laughing people was because like it's it's like oh this, this injury isn't bad and then nick reads it out and it's like a torn labrum and a freaking fractured hip so Apparently it's not that bad. Get better, Jamar Chase. It does sound like, you know, the original timeline four to six weeks, mostly closer to four. So great news there for Jamar. In the meantime, T. Higgins, upside wide receiver one. Tyler Boyd, someone I have ranked inside my top 20 wide receivers. He's had 13 games without one of Higgins or Chase and with Joe Burrow, seven top 20 finishes and those only three finishes outside the top 36. So really high in combination of floor and ceiling for Boyd without Chase in there. And even Hayden Hurst, uh, we do need to keep an eye on him he was limited with this uh ankle and i believe the hip injury he's been dealing with so not expecting that to necessarily keep him out he has been playing throughout but it is monday night so ideally if there is a problem with that you can just turn around and get harrison bryant just realize we're not quite in the clear with hayden hurst yet we'll get those injury reports uh tomorrow in the middle of saturday um by the way just mike thomas the other mike thomas is expected to replace chase in three wide receiver sets not really expecting burrow to focus any targets on him Over in Detroit, Nick, I still can't wrap my simple mind around this one, but Amon Ross St. Brown is questionable because he's in the concussion protocol, but he's not concussed. The Lions told us he's not concussed, but he's also questionable. He practiced in full on Friday. Remember, he's not concussed, but he is questionable because of the concussion protocol. Allegedly, I've been told in my comments, the new concussion protocol requires you to be in the concussion protocol for at least six days, even if you're not concussed. So is that basically what's going on here, Nick?
1: He, What happened is he started experiencing dizziness after the issue. I think it's probably vertigo and that can happen with your, your balance center. The NFL protocol is if a player exhibits concussion symptoms, which dizziness is one, then he gets placed into the concussion protocol. So he just has to get through. I think it's a full participation today without any new symptoms and he should be fine. Jeez, man,
0: this is gonna. I have a feeling this takes a turn like a uh, COVID did last year, where all of a sudden you know, the playoffs come and the NFL finds bigger things to uh, worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly seems like the Sun God is going to be out there. I would expect yeah. sometimes we do like Dan Campbell's been pretty forthright about this all week. So, with that said, we are getting a Monroe back in lineups of all shapes and sizes. There seems to be we keep going back to this, like, oh, can we really trust the Monroe St. Brown again? Yes, we saw the guy hurt his ankle and then get concussed. That's that's been what stopped. The Monroe St. Brown, Not a defense, them freaking hurting him accidentally. So it's one of those things where I have a Monra in full PPR as my wide receiver 11 on the week. Again, should be in lineups of heavily most shapes and sizes. Also note, Josh Reynolds continues to be good to go playing through that knee injury. Hey, borderline wide receiver three, wide receiver four type with DJ Chark and Jameson Williams still out of the picture. All right, with the Seahawks, ever optimistic Pete Carroll got DK Metcalf Listen that's questionable despite not practicing all week with that knee injury he's being called a game time decision as is Tyler Lockett hamstring and ribs that's the problem here Nick that ribs issue is somewhat new so I'm not as optimistic with just saying Lockett will be fine Penny Hart is doubtful with the hamstring injury whatever so with this in mind man this is going to be I believe it's a four o'clock game right the uh, Seahawks Giants game
1: I'll double check
0: Seahawks and Giants so there's two things going on here yeah okay It is a 4 30 game so we really need to be sure of this and they usually announce these actives and actives if we don't get tipped off on it before around 2 30 p.m on sunday afternoon so that's the one problem there the other problems is uh it's seattle weather is not looking good at all i always go to rotogrinders.com for my weather information because you know i'm not a weatherman but maybe in a different life anyway uh let's see what's yeah kevin roth always does a great job assigns games you know green orange are kind of red, I guess, uh, weather worries. And the only one this week that there is a concern is going to be the Giants at Seattle. Kevin's notes, you know, the weather you picture when you think about Seattle, this is it. It's chilly, it's wet, and it's breezy. Not one factor is all that impactful. The winds will top out between 10 to 50 miles per hour. The temperature is nearly irrelevant, and the rain should be a steady light rain as opposed to a true deloge. But all added up, it's pretty ugly stuff. The rain could lead to more of a reliance on the ground game than usual. So that'd be my only notes there. Like, because we don't have these guys, and it's gonna be—we're not gonna know if they're out there until 4:30. Just be—if it's a close start sit decision, if it's Tyler Lockett and Chris Olave, take Chris Olave. Like, don't even think twice about it. It's when we get to the Tyler Lockett versus uh, man, you know, Darius Slayton. There's not to just hate on Darius Slayton, but you want to be able to have a decent backup option. If you don't, go ahead and just take the guy you know is going to be out there. Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson back off the IR list and Sean McVay says that he should have his usual role. Do you think this really could just drive the final stake in the Allen Robinson experience, Nick? Because one of the craziest things I've just found over the past two weeks looking at this room, Bennett Skrowanek has more freaking targets this year. One more than Allen Robinson. He's got more receptions, more receiving yards. Like, they need this – in this offense, what they need is someone that can kind of stretch the field. That's why they've been trying to make 2-2 out work working. Hey, A-Rob got that touchdown before the bye. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. It's just Cooper Cup and Henderson, and that's freaking it in the offense. But any thoughts on Van Jefferson's return here?
1: Uh, it could go either way. He he could take over as the number two. But his, his – his I mean, he's not that fast, but he does the downfield thing. He could just add that element and open things up in the intermediate. Unlock it. I do I do think he'll play – uh okay. sharp put together a, a highlight reel where he just dives <laughs> when he catches the ball now help he'll protect his ribs
0: that was a f- pretty funny one it was like tyler lockett's quest like not to get tackled even yeah. once in this yards after the catch situation good man what's what's the best ability neck availability tyler lockett proven right. that seriously guys you know don't scoff at me about the van jefferson stuff this guy had 800 yards and six touchdowns last year like who'd matthew stafford throw his first bomb touchdown to it was to van jefferson so the one thing i'll say I am not buying Tyler Higby's start of the season continuing really into the second half. This has been so overwhelmingly volume based, and an offense that has been terrible. We saw this happen in the end of was it 2019? I believe maybe the end of 2020. Really was not going well for the Rams at all. The two worst stretches of Sean McVay's tender there have involved the quarterback force feeding Tyler Higby the football. What happened the next season after that? They stopped force feeding Tyler Higby the football because that's not how you want to go out there and win football games. So. I get it. The tight end map, you know, isn't all that great, but hey, it's okay. Nick, turn your uh, mic up, bro. You're a little bit quiet. Appreciate you guys letting us know in the chat. There we go. Great day to be great. All right. Saints wide receivers, evergreen statement here. Michael Thomas out with a foot injury. Jarvis Landry out with an ankle injury. Not great, guys, Um, but you know who it is great for. Chris Olave. legit top 20 option at the position. And also a little more on this later. Guys, actually, I'll tell you right now, go bet. Keep listening, but go to DraftKings Sportsbook and bet over four and a half receptions for Alvin Kamara. Four and a half. When I was like getting ready to do this other show earlier, that prop wasn't out there. I just assumed it was going to be five and a half. No, four and a half for Alvin Kamara. Three straight games clearing that number with ease with Andy Dalton under center. Not expecting that to change again with Thomas and Landry ruled out. So, Alave looking great. You should also see Marquez Calloway, Traequan Smith out there. Look, they are not great options by any stretch. But hey, we do have this you know potential shootout here with the Raiders, with the Saints. If you're in some of these 14-team league, three-flex leagues like I have, you can do worse than having some of these guys out there on the bench. In San yeah. Francisco, yeah.
1: Quick thing on the Saints. Nick Underhill tweeted out a couple of injury updates. Uh, Jameis Winston ruptured a tendon in his ankle. That's why he's been out. He, you can, he can play on it, um, but he will be prone to in-game setbacks. So Andy Dalton, I think his job is more secure than we might have thought it was. And Jarvis Landry suffered a setback at some point lately. So he might you know, have an even longer uh, extended absence than we thought it was going to be.
0: I love after every single one of these pods we do, Nick, someone always has to comment that, you know, oh, Ian didn't know when he got Andy Dalton to join the squad. So it's good to see your lookalike continuing to get the uh, uh, conversation going. The only celebrity look like I've ever been blessed with was Aaron Kraft, former Ohio State point guard. Yours is just a little bit more cool. Okay, with the 49ers, Devo Samuel out with a hamstring injury. Juwan Jennings is questionable with the hamstring injury. So this is great news for Brandon Ayuk to lead the way. Again, this is a passing game that, honestly, Jimmy G's been playing good ball over the past two weeks. He hasn't been getting much help from the rest of the roster, which I know is a rarity, but it just kind of has been the case. So Brandon Ayuk will leap up several spots here. I would say, like Nick, Devontae Smith or Brandon Ayuk this week.
1: Ooh, that's tough. And I think that that just kind of illustrates. That's,
0: that's right where that's he is.
1: Legit. Yeah. I okay. Man, I put him ahead of Devontae, I get. it's You can split hairs there.
0: I have Chris Olave, wide receiver 19, McLaurin right behind him, and Devontae right behind him. I'm gonna, you know, maybe maybe crack open a beer, see how I'm feeling after that, and then we'll go ahead and make the final decision. But that low end wide receiver two range with Brandon Ayuk right there. Okay, uh, if both those guys are out, Debo and Juwan Jennings, I would expect Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray, their uh you know, early round pick to be out there. That said, it's Kittle, McCaffrey, and Ayuk. I doubt anyone else is gonna have too much volume. In Houston, Nico Collins out with a groin injury. And Brandon Cooks is questionable with the wrist injury, even though he practiced in full on Friday. So Cooks wasn't listed on the injury report all week. And then he practices in full. Now he's questionable. I'm wondering what the hell is going on, Nick. And as much as I do wonder, like, hey, could we see a showcase? who needs to see Brandon cooks, like play another game and get force fed 15 targets before being like, okay, fine. Like we'll trade for him. I think we kind of saw this last week with the Jaguars, not playing James Robinson. Obviously they committed to ETM, but they didn't feel the need to go run Robinson out there 25 times to show people how good he was. They basically put him in bubble wrap as, as you know, other than five or 10 snaps throughout that game. So, Brandon Cooks, it's a tough matchup. Christian Fulton with a K shut him down last year, two catches, 18 scoreless yards, and he's been doing a good job in shadow covers this year. Cooks, maybe he gets force-fed the targets just by virtue of Collins being out, but Nick, man, we haven't seen it much from Cooks this year. This isn't the easiest matchup in the world. I think some of those fantasy points allowed stats is more so due to the Bills just going bonkers in week two. I have Cooks more so in that, you know, mid to low end, probably more mid end wide receiver three range. I'm not loving going to the well here. Do you have any thoughts on the situation?
1: I think that you've you've summed this up pretty aptly Uh, on the questionable tag aspect. Seventy one point one percent of players play when questionable. And and from earlier with Zeke, ninety four point three percent of players (laughs) with the doubtful tag do not play.
0: Oh, that doubtful one's always wild. All right, Cowboys wide receiver Noah Brown, questionable with a foot injury. That said, he is actually – he needs to practice on Saturday, I guess, the Cowboys are doing these early morning Saturday practices because he did not practice all week. So, guys, I I know you're mad at me. I've I've read the comments. I told you, Michael Gallup. I dropped down from a damn helicopter and said Michael Gallup was going to go bonkers last week, and he proceeds to goose egg. I am going back to the well, not not sending him down that heli- that cursed freaking helicopter again. My God, I'm not doing that. But this week in this matchup, especially in DFS, everyone and their mother is on Tony Pollard. I can see the Cowboys passing more because they don't have Zeke to give the ball up the middle 15 to 20 times. If Noah Brown ends up getting ruled out, like he was actually working ahead of Michael Gallup, Cavante Turpin doing some great things in the return game. I will always love you know the USFL MVP. I'm just saying I don't think he's going to be stepping into a bunch more. We've already seen how they feel about Jalen Tolbert. So don't let a down week seven distract you from what could be a great week eight. I do think Michael Gallup has great bounce back potential if Noah Brown is going to end up being sidelined. Oh, that's a great call from uh, Drake Holiday. Can we get James Washington back out here, or sign a receiver? Where's my guy Will Fuller at Dallas? Do something! This Cowboys team is inexplicably five and two. The Eagles, meanwhile, keep making another move every single day. Yeah, I think the it's a little bit of an overreaction to everything the Eagles do these days by the old mainstream media. But come on, Dallas, let's go! Let's uh, let's uh, let's try to compete here. Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard out with a shoulder injury. Sammy Watkins good to go with the hamstring. Christian Watson seemingly uh, has a good chance to play despite being questionable with his own hamstring injury. So all that said, we're going to have Amari Rogers and something named Samori Torre. I I know Samori, but okay. Romeo Dobbs is the only guy we can even somewhat trust in this passing game, but this is just such an impossible situation, Nick. I mean, before knowing for sure that Lazard was going to be out, I still had Romeo Dobbs as just my wide receiver 40, and I don't really plan on bumping him up all that much even from there. Overall thoughts on what Dobbs could bring to the table this week with Lazard out.
1: Uh, no, as you like to say, I, I think the answer here is no. Uh, <laughs> Rodgers appears to be issuing you know veiled calls to have Dubs benched. So, like, I <laughs> – for who? I trust Watson he, i uh, I think I think Sammy Watkins is the idea. Um, but my God, right that I mean that's that's the proper response. so I, I don't think we can trust any of these guys, especially against the bills.
0: man, the way Sammy looked last week, yeah, okay, he had a moment or two earlier on in the year before he got put on IR, but coming back, man, that dude looked like I, I, I wish we had GPS readings for every single player just so we could like take advantage of moments <laughs> like that. like i I don't want the top speeds. I want like the bottom speeds so we can bottom slander speed. some of these guys. All right, Jets wide receiver Corey Davis out with a knee injury. We're going to have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, and three wide receiver sets. We'll still see some Denzel Mims and, yes, even a little bit of Jeff Smith. This passing game, Zach Wilson, I support the experience because when he's bad, it's still a really fun watch. And, guys, they've thrown for 204 total yards in the last two weeks. 204 yards in two weeks. Now they're playing the Patriots. The answer to which one of these wide receivers to start, as Nick just said, as I like to say, no, don't do it. Commander's wide receiver, Jahan Dotson, out with a hamstring. Diami Brown groin questionable. Terry McLaurin should beat the guy here. What do you think about uh, Curtis Samuel, though, Nick? Because I do expect McLaurin to catch that Stefan Gilmore shadow. Similar to what we're seeing with Wandale Robinson in New York, even in these bad passing games, when you have that low ADOT guy like Curtis, like Wandale Robinson, I do think you can be a little bit, you know, feeling better about their floor just by virtue of, you know, we're relying on Heineke or, you know, freaking Daniel Jones to complete a five-yard pass instead of a 50-yard one.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't rely on him in cash games. Uh, you know, you can squeeze him into a, a, a redraft lineup, but I, I like I really don't love this. That's fair.
0: I don't love much of anything going on in Washington these days, except my Buckeyes, of course. Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay out with a knee injury, so Darius Slayton going to continue to be that top outside wide receiver. But yes, Wandale Robinson, really the only truly fancy viable pass catcher. I have him as a wide receiver 34 this week. I think he's right there in a tier with guys like Darnell Mooney, Drake London, George Pickens, and Jerry Judy. Patriots wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, questionable Kendrick Bourne, not listed. If anyone could maybe get a little bit of a showcase game, it could be Kendrick Bourne. But once again, that's just such like a who the hell knows if we're going to see that type of thing that other than a galaxy brain DFS start, don't play these guys because they're not even in three wide receiver sets. That's Jacoby, Taekwon and Devontae Parker. Uh, Just two more quick ones. Browns uh, wide receiver, David Bell, is banged up. We don't really care. And Jaguars wide receiver, Jamal Agnew, questionable with a knee injury. So if he is out, maybe we see a few more design plays for Kirk and Zay Jones. But again, not someone to overly worry about. All right, guys, before we get on to tight ends, I want to pay some respect to our lovely sponsors out there. First and foremost, we got to give a lovely shout out as my Add sheet loads right here. To our friends over at Western Southern, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. to so you have to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, our friends over at Underdog, even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their pick em game. It's not available in freaking Ohio, which pisses me off, Nick. I was at my favorite Mexican spot, El Toro, last night, and I'm I'm a simple man. I know I'm not going to hit 57% of my bets. I don't pretend to be this incredible gambler. I like to do the $10 parlay, and hopefully my dreams come true. They never do, but this next one's going to be different. You believe me, man. Anyway, that's basically what Underdog gives you the chance to do. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's games, and if you pick five of those correctly, You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps pick between two and five players for your pick entry get all your picks right and you'll take home some cold hard cash it's simple to get started just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app sign up a promo code pff and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 dollars. so we've already been singing underdogs praises about the underdog nfl crew their nba crew does awesome they're getting into freaking soccer if you're into that kind of thing now i'm not but i respect the hustle now we have the pick-em game as well so that's underdog fantasy promo code PFF get in on the action today. I agree, Drake. Let's see Terry beat the Gilmore shadow. He beat the Jair Alexander shadow last week. Terry McLaurin has the best 70-yard games out of any player in the league, and I will not hear otherwise. But let's get through some tight ends, and then we'll get a few prop bets and some DFS stuff going. Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson not listed with a knee injury. Fully good to go. You're not going to have a better option out there to play. Just realize with the Sun God and and yes, absolutely, DeAndre Swift back in action. Only so much meat left on the bone for Hawkinson. Over in Cleveland, David, hey, rare double miss from Schefter, by the way. Love. The guy, appreciate all the hard work he does, but said the Joku injury wasn't serious and said the Chuba Hubbard injury wasn't serious. Now it looks like neither guy is going to be able to suit up. So the Joku with the ankle was in a walking boot today, and we even have Pharaoh Brown that recently signed secondary tight end out with a concussion and neck injury. Maybe not out just yet. Again, this is Monday night, but he hasn't been practicing. So sure it looks like Harrison Bryant is going to be playing an every-down role for the Browns come Monday night. Nick, who would you take, Harrison Bryant or Hayden Hurst?
1: Oh, that, so that's a fantastic question, which I, I, I think that that kind of communicates where we're at with Harrison Bryant. Yeah. I'd probably roll with Hayden Hurst, but like I I really, really like Harrison Bryant. And if you are in need of a tight end, go go at him.
0: I'm going to fire him up the rankings a lot here. And I think that's about right where they should be. It's going to be an every down roll. Like I'm so confident that we're going to see that 90% snap rate. And then he's going to be on the cover of every single waiver Wire article. I believe the Browns, they have a weak... Is it a week nine by or a week 10 by? Because it is coming uh, up.
1: I don't recall, but here, I, what I can say. Week is nine. Okay, not... it's week
0: nine. So we're only getting one week out of it. And so if you want it, you got to do it now.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David Njoku is not going to come back for a long time. He, it was a high ankle sprain. The average time missed for tight ends is 4.8 games. And even after that, players it usually takes a full off season to get right from a high ankle. So like I, I, I would be selling high on Injoku if you can. Yeah. That's me personally.
0: Sucks, man. That dude was helping out a lot of Kyle Pitts teams until he wasn't. Yes. Raiders tight end Darren Waller, questionable with a hamstring injury. He did practice all week in a limited fashion, so if he's active, it's Darren Waller, like, you know, it's what things it with Kyle Pitts. I understand where you guys come from, like, oh, how can we go back to the well here? Sit down, try to start ranking these tight ends, and you're going to get to guys like Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts far more quickly uh, than you would hope. I don't feel good about ranking Waller as a top five or top six tight end, but objectively speaking, that is what he's going to be if he's active in this one. If not, Foster Moreau, similar manner as Harrison Bryant, someone that is going to be out there every single snap, more or less. I am less confident in Moreau demanding the same sort of volume, though. He shares an offense with too many other talented guys. Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz expected to keep playing through the pain, but he's officially questionable with that knee injury. I'm just shocked that he's still freaking alive after he got bent back the way he did last week, and he kept playing through it, so clearly working out less than 100%. I don't think that he deserves to be that top six, top seven tight end you drafted him to be at this point because he is that banged up right now. So still someone where if you want to put him in the, you know, the tight end one borderline, that's fine, so don't need to force Dalton Schultz in the lineup right now. Nick, I think I'd start both Hayden Hurst and Harris O'Brien ahead of Dalton Schultz this week.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Two PCL setbacks.
0: Jeez. Not great. Steelers tight end Pat Frymouth. Not listed with the ankle injury. Good to go. Top 10 treatment with Kenny Pickett. Really starting to feed him the way uh, for prolonged stretches. Commanders tight end Logan Thomas. Questionable with the calf. We don't really care though. Armani Rogers and John Bates going to keep this a committee. Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger. Eye socket surgery. Big yikes. They're just going to rotate guys in the meantime. Get that eye right. Daniel. And finally, this one's a little bit interesting. So Jawan Johnson, hamstring, questionable. He was a midweek addition on Thursday, but he got in a limited practice on Friday. Adam Troutman is questionable with an ankle injury, and he was limited. Now, why? Why, Ian? Why are you talking about Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman? Jawan did score two touchdowns last week, but the big thing here is if these guys are out, Taysom Hill might actually be forced to play something close to a full-time role. I don't know if there's like a player... Nick that has like some more volatile rankings from one analyst to another than Taysom Hill. I continue to struggle to put him ahead of the full-time tight ends. That's usually my thing with them. I have him ranked this week, tight end 16 behind guys like Irv, (laughs) Dolchich, Jasicki, Hurst, you know, Bryant and all that stuff. It's, it's tough, though, because when you look at it, he does have that goal line role. Like, where do you fall in Taysom Hill? I've seen some people, like, unironically have him top five that I respect. And I can see it, man. But it's just there's no more touchdown-dependent player in fantasy than Taysom Hill. That said, they put him in a lot of good positions to score touchdowns.
1: Yeah. Uh, so with with Juwan Johnson's and, and Adam Troutman's status is, you know, uncertain right now, I have Taysom Hill as tight end seven. If those guys are both ruled out, I will probably move him, I would I would move him, I think, to number five behind Kittle, Ertz, Goddard, Hawkinson.
0: Jeez.
1: I mean, he's a full-time role. He's going to get carries. He will throw passes, and he'll run a few routes. Like, I'm fine taking, you know, whatever low score he gets me, as opposed to, like, Evan Inger. I mean, their their floors are the same, but one guy can, like, throw and rush for a touchdown.
0: Okay, let's... Let's think on this for a second here. Okay. Let's. <laughs>
1: All
0: right, he has thrown these last three weeks. Taysom Hill has thrown five passes, so we have that going for us, and that's with Dalton under center. So it makes sense they didn't have any the first week. So we can expect you know one to two pass attempts out of Taysom Hill. He only has two targets all season, but if we're going to take Jawan and Troutman out of the picture, Thomas and Landry are out. Okay. I think it's fair to project him for a couple of targets. His carries this year have been four, three, five, nine, five, three. So just by basic, you know, patterns, we would expect this to go back to nine or four, not just playing everyone, but okay. So we're looking at roughly three to five carries. We'll say two targets in a pass attempt or two. So, Ah, i'm sorry to talk myself into it nick so okay we're getting <laughs> we're getting five to seven combined carries and targets maybe a pass attempt like hey with irv smith am i really expecting more than five or six targets in his own right and we know Taysom's are going to be closer to the goal line so okay so we're saying over yeah over Tunyon over frymouth so we're saying yeah Taysom over kyle pitts just just fuck us right
1: I have him there, and, but the but the thesis behind the play is simply that he has a ceiling that, like, is really hard to find outside of, you know, Kelsey. Yeah. Um, his floor is zero. Like, his floor is as bad as it gets, but, like, we're trying to win weeks here and, and Taysom Hill's a guy that can do that. It's ugly. I'm not yeah. saying it's <laughs> – yeah. Anyway.
0: First or last, the Taysom Hill and Ricky Bobby story. Okay, there we go. So keep an eye on those other guys, but yeah, even without it, Taysom Hill inexplicably shaping up as a pretty solid tight end one in fantasy land. <laughs> Two other uh, quick notes: some really banged up secondaries. Now the Buccaneers' secondary was the third one that really was hurting uh, last night, and then Bateman gets hurt and just you know completely screws all of us trying to pay attention to these sorts of things, Nick. So the Falcons' secondary, though, all kinds of banged up this week. AJ Terrell out with a hamstring injury. Casey Hayward's still on IR. Free safety Jalen Hawkins is out with a concussion. Even DBD Alford is questionable. All good news for DJ Moore. For me, DJ Moore is a recommended start this week because two big things have really changed for him uh, versus when he was busting a lot to start the year. Actually, three things. We have PJ Walker actually showing some kind of competence. We also have a really good matchup here against a Falcon's secondary already has allowed the most PPR points for game to opposing wide receivers. But now we're getting their backups trying to, you know, do better than that. And we also have the absence of Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Like those were two guys that could feasibly out-target DJ Moore during any given week. Now, Terrence Marshall, I know he's out there, and maybe we'll see Deontay Foreman get a few targets. But never has DJ Moore had a more clear path to getting double-digit targets every single game. It's great to see. I think it's a great spot this week to go ahead and start him. Also, Browns secondary, Denzel Ward, concussion hasn't been practicing. Greedy Williams has an illness, and Greg Newsom has an oblique injury. So, look, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, you guys are probably starting them in almost more leagues than not, and it's a good matchup too. So, great day to be great from that standpoint. That's going to wrap up our injury edition of this. Appreciate you guys always joining us along. Uh, Now we're going to move on to some cool DFS and a few prop betting things. So Nick, we'll get to your article in just a sec. I do have three prop bets for the people. I spoiled one already, the Alvin Kamara. I wanted you guys to get to it before they change it. Again, four and a half receptions, minus 130 over at DraftKings Sportsbook with Andy Dalton under center. He has gone six catches, 95 yards, six catches, 25 yards, and seven catches, 56 yards. So hey, we all see Jameis Wood in play that dude has never seen you know a coverage that he doesn't think he can beat and he loves throwing the ball downfield highest average target depth in the nfl accordingly kamara has been able to have this underneath stuff and it's not just dalton it's not having michael thomas or jarvis landry fellow guys are going to be a lot of times taking those underneath routes so alvin kamara over four and a half receptions absolutely love it Raheem Mostert over 83 and a half rushing and receiving yards pending that injury report, which did clear just minus 115 at DraftKings. Again, can't say enough bad things about the Lions' 32nd ranked defense. Raheem Mostert getting 15 to 20 combined touches per game, all in on that over. Finally, Chris Olave over 65 and a half receiving yards. Just 65 and a half for a legit top 10 receiver and receiving yards this year and or to catch a touchdown at any point in the game at plus 175. So the Saints offense is condensed around two guys. It's not Michael Thomas and Kamara anymore. It's Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave. Don't be afraid to keep going back to that. Well, Nick, before I get you to, uh, to DFS land, do you have any uh, bets you're liking this week? Props, I guess the spread, game totals, anything? No.
1: Okay. I know. I yeah, I have not I've not uh, delved into the bets at this You're point. You're
0: good. You're good. Any uh, anything for the UFC Stuff tomorrow? You got to lean on Silva, Paul.
1: No, I'm just getting ready for Halloween, man. We've got Ooh. some fun stuff going on around
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think my fiancé probably wishes I was more like you uh, in that mindset. I'm going to make us sit down and watch one of my favorite all-time fighters lose to a fucking YouTuber. Okay, Nick, you do an awesome <laughs> cheat sheet every single week. you recommended DFS plays across all leagues. Let's talk about your top five favorite plays of the week. Just give me one, and I might challenge you on it, and then we'll move on to the next one. It'll be a great day. It'll
1: be great. Awesome. So first one on the DFS cheat sheet is Jalen Waddle. The the way that I kind of approached this week was to create some uh, bringbacks. So what I like about Waddle, uh, is he, he's a bit chalky, but he's not crazy chalky. And I think that he offers uh differential differentiating uh, leverage potential um, when compared to Tyreek Hill and uh Ross St. Brown. Just looking at this game, like Tyreek Hill's ownership projection is 32 and a half percent. It's absurd. Ooh. Waddle is actually is down at 5.9%. He's 14 among wide receivers. So that's it. We, we have some differentiation here. Uh, he's only 6,700. You've kind of already gone into why we like playing against the D- Detroit Lions defense. They are league bottom in uh, like half of the passing game metrics. Yeah. So, and Waddle has kind of garnered this reputation as being like the, the, full-time second fiddle to Tyree kill he's been battling uh two different injuries since week three while maintaining elite efficiency so his yards per outrun, yards after catch per reception explosive pass plays are all top five among wide receivers his missed force tackles are top 10 and receiving yards overall are, are top five as well so his this guy hasn't lost any juice he's finally getting healthier and it's a smash play do you have anything
0: to say on, on Waddle? I, I just think, you know, We'll I'll run through kind of what I'm thinking my cast lineup is, but a really easy way to find good tournament plays exactly what you're talking about. Just take the fellow talented teammate that's alongside the guy that everyone is rostering. We all realize Tyreek Hill is set up fine. That's why he's projected to be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate, more or less. So Jalen Waddle down there, priced next to Amon Ross St. Brown, even in the same game, also just the pricing scale. Even someone like you know Devonte Smith, Tyler Lockett could end up having a little bit more exposure than Jalen Waddle. So all in on that call.
1: Cool. So the bring back for this one is Detroit Lions tight end TJ Hawkinson. We all know Hawkinson is a great player. His ownership projection comes at in at just four point zero percent. A week ago, he would have been going up against Miami Dolphins safety, Brandon Jones, who is having a pretty decent year. He kind of does everything. He's one of like their their uh uh, blitzing leaders on the team but he anyway they they, they give him a full complement of responsibilities. He suffered a torn ACL. he's out. So Hawkinson's primary coverage defender here is going to be backup safety Eric Rowe, who has a 34.3 PFF coverage grade, which is like 30 points lower than we would just kind of hope it to be. Uh, Hawkinson's uh, tight end matchup chart or, or excuse me uh, matchup advantage rating, is 20.0%. Among all tight ends, that comes in as third best on the week. Rowe is allowing 2.29 uh, receiving yards allowed per coverage snap with a 4.2% explosive pass play rate allowed. Those are the top two highest rates, respectively, among NFL safeties with at least 90 coverage snaps. So I like Hawkinson a lot as uh, an explosive bring back option here.
0: And this is a rare situation where I think we can actually feel good about this matchup happening a lot throughout the game. I do the shadow matchups every single week. You know, lovely, just true grinder of PFF, Ben Brown. If anyone had any idea how important this dude is to our lovely company, I mean, you would be surprised. So much love to my guy, Ben. Shoots me over, you know, grinds all the shit. You know, we have people watching every game, all this. I find out who has been shadowed. The only safety I can ever remember actually shadowing a tight end was Eric Rowe over these past few years. Hasn't been doing it this year, but truly the Dolphins treat him as their tight end stopper, if you will. You know, the modern day Michael Jenkins and stuff like that. Uh, going on Malcolm, excuse me, miss, messing up my, uh bu- mixing up my Buckeyes. But yes, TJ Hawkinson, great bring back. And just, you know, it's going to be a popular to a uh, waddle Tyreek stuff. So don't be afraid in a Monroe St. Brown. I know I said before, it is going to be crowded in Detroit. Another reason like DeAndre Swift as well, coming off of injury. Nick, you're also a fan of Justin Jefferson, high price Vikings receiver. And just real quick before you say why generally this week, guys, when you look at the DFS, just landscape, the amount of value at running back in the 6K range, even 5K range. We got DJ Moore down there. There's a lot of value in there so people can go ahead and get up to Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins. But these guys at the very top, because like why pay an extra 1100 for Cooper Cup or 500 when he can get Tyreek Hill? I get that, but it's a one-week sample size and we're trying to be different. Getting up to someone like Jefferson can make a lot of sense. Why else do you love him, Nick?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, there are a couple of trap plays on the slate here. I think Tyreek Hill, like I said, 32 and a half percent and ownership projection. And we also have Devonte Adams at nine point eight percent. He's playing with what is being referred to as a bad flu. And apparently some of the Raiders locker room has also picked it up. So I think that teams that are uh, going with those two X receivers are they might just flop and um, what I like about Jefferson is he he's still chalky. He's over ten percent owned, uh, but I think this is one of the few weeks where you might be able to play Jefferson in a GPP format and kind of get leverage over those other elite guys like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. He's going up against the Arizona Cardinals secondary. Uh, the way that Jefferson is is playing, he's taking forty three percent of his snaps wide left, thirty two percent in the slot, and twenty four on the right. It's it's not you know um, just locked on one side like DeAndre Hopkins of old. Um, he's he's taking snaps against all three of these um, under uh, underperforming or, or lacking in talent uh, cornerbacks that the Arizona Cardinals wheel out there. Trayvon Mullen is, is expected to make his return. He's been out pretty much the whole year with a hamstring injury, but his PFF coverage grade is just 39.0. Marco Wilson, 54.7, and Byron Murphy, 59.1. It's just basically a bad trio of coverage defenders, and I think that Jefferson, who is top 10 in – Completion person or catch rate, passer rating allowed, receiving yards. Uh, oh, no, I'm going over. This, sorry. Uh, You're good. That's the Arizona Cardinals uh, secondary. They are top 10 in in most of our efficiency coverage uh, statistics. So I think that Jefferson can basically just smash this situation. And I, I like him as a leverage play against those other elite guys.
0: And the one interesting thing here is to give Byron Murphy a little bit of respect. He did an awesome job against Devontae Adams back in Week 2. I think it was like two catches, 12 yards, and a touchdown. And after that, we were kind of wondering, like, could this be the next big thing at quarterback? But as Nick brings up, really hasn't been continuing that dominance, and they haven't even been using him as a shadow cornerback since then. He's actually been playing a lot of snaps in the slot, so they face guys like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Chris Olave. So, look, we know Justin Jefferson can can beat up any buddy we saw him go for like 150 yards against marshall Lattimore a few weeks ago you know did the guy so bad he had to what renew his instagram or whatever and get on there and try to defend himself a little bit so byron murphy even if you know it's a situation where you think that he's a gamer he can get up for these big matchups i don't think it's gonna be a one-on-one shadow matchup and he actually was a, a friday addition to the injury report with a back injury and is now questionable so hey Never want anyone to be injured, but when we're trying to target wide receivers, you take a bad cornerback, and then you physically alter them somehow, all wheels up for Justin Jefferson. Nick, there is another tight end you like on a slate where there there just really isn't like a smash tight end out there for this week. Mark Andrews already played on Thursday. Travis Kelsey is obviously on by. So not a lot to work with, but you're taking a long look at Zach Ertz over there, just 5,100 on DraftKings in the same Vikings matchup.
1: Yeah. And so what you just brought up is a big part of the process here. Travis Kelsey's not playing. Gerald Everett's not playing. Mark Andrews already played. So we have Kittle, but in terms of like elite tight ends that might just dominate at the, this position, we're talking about him right now. Um, Zach Ertz per PFS tight end matchup chart is going to be going up against Minnesota linebacker Eric Kendricks, who's earned a 38.7 PFF coverage grade this year. Ertz garnered a 5.0% matchup advantage rating over Kendricks. That's the sixth highest on the slate. Uh, Ertz is a little bit older. He he was never a tackle breaking guy, but he still is top five in receptions, receiving yards and first downs gained. Um, he is top 10 in contested catch rate and NFL passer rating. When targeted his 18.9 targets sprout run rate is 11th uh, Kendricks. So I've got a table in here that kind of breaks down his coverage deficiencies, but he is top 10 in all the worst ways. Uh, so I think Ertz is going to be able to just kind of pummel him all day long. And I, this is a a high total game. I think it's at uh, 49.0. I think that's the third highest over under uh, on the week eight slate. And finally, Ertz is one of, I think it was three tight ends that showed up in Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards by low model. Uh, it's very, very reliable thing. And when we see guys on there, we want to go target them
0: hilarious uh note from josh in the start of that he uh you know sometimes he'll redact players if they're just so bad that he just can't really trust their buy low stuff and last week the number one player was dj Moore, and uh redacted him and josh was just saying uh you know what was his uh spot in the uh, intro once again uh Sorry, he goes, the upside is just so high, and apparently so is I for redacting him. So always oh, nice when you can laugh at yourself like uh, Josh did. Hey, spoiler alert, the rest of it's on PFF.com, guys, but the number one buy low guy in Josh's model this week, C.D. Lamb. I love the idea in tournaments this week on DraftKings. Go with Dak, go with C.D., maybe even bring it back with Gallup if you want to get wild – Either way, Dak and at least CD, because everyone's going to be on Pollard. That's a good way to just, again, get some leverage on pretty much the entire. We're talking about maybe like a 50% owned running back, even in tournaments uh, this week with Tony Pollard. So anyway, you can just quickly differentiate off of that. I do think makes a lot of sense, and we haven't quite gotten that true blow-up performance from CD. Could be right on the way. All right, you have one more, Nick, and I will say uh, every Friday I do a DFS prop best show. My guy, Britt Devine, over at uh, Rotor Grinders, and, I happened to pitch this very running back myself before we even started talking, Nick. So great mind, Some might say.
1: Cool. So Miles Sanders, Philadelphia Eagles running back, uh, going for 6,600 on DraftKings. Kings. Uh, I was surprised to see that the ownership projections have him at just 6.0%. That's the 17th highest among running backs on the week eight slate. What I like about this is I think we're gaining a little bit of leverage with the, Pittsburgh Steelers name. This is uh, typically a a front seven to be feared, but in reality it's full of holes. Uh Larry Oganjo uh, Oganjobi who <laughs> I really love. He's a fun player, he's good on Twitter. Uh he has earned a 58.9 PFF run defense grade which ranks 52 of 122 defensive tackles with at least 100 snaps. His 20.6 negatively graded run defense play rate is fifth highest among qualifying defensive tackles. Uh, so I think Sanders can kind of shoot the gap there. Now his backup, Tyson Alualu, has earned a 30.3 PFF run defense grade. Inside linebackers Miles Jack and Devin Bush uh, are both in the 14 to 50 per, 15% uh, rate of negatively graded run defense plays. So for whatever reason, the middle of this defense, typically very strong, is not playing all that well. PFF's offensive line defensive line matchup chart gives Philadelphia's offensive line a 26.0% run blocking matchup advantage grade over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, that is quite high. I think it was top three on the week, maybe top five on the. Uh, no, that was top three on the week. Um, finally, the spread is really working in Miles Sanders' favor here. The Eagles are favored by 10 and a half points with an implied team total of 27. Point zero, So should be a lot of points scored here and there should be a high volume of rushing attempts uh, in what would maybe considered what might be frequently considered to be a tough matchup.
0: I've gotten some questions like, can we expect Miles Sanders to keep on continuing this? And I think so. The Kenneth Gamewell takeover isn't happening when Sanders is healthy. Boston Scott seemingly less and less involved by the week and really kind of falling out of this committee. I know he's been hurt, but hey, that's the reason why that's sort of been happening. And you add it all together, man, and the only running backs this year with at least 15 plus touches in at least six games, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and Miles Sanders. Now, Obviously, I wish Sanders was getting Eckler and Saquon's targets and stuff. So there is a difference in touches from that standpoint. But he's getting 15 to 20 touches in an offense at home, favored by a touchdown. Like, yeah, if this just if we if he wasn't priced right next to Kenneth Walker and Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Pierce, I do think people will be on him. But he's not those you know rookies or Ramondre Stevenson players that everyone loves to lose their shit about. So the one concern that always pops up to me about Philly is like. But Jalen Hurts is just going to score touchdowns. He leads the freaking league and carries inside the five-yard line. But that hasn't stopped them from still giving these guys the rock near the goal line. I mean, this fourth-ranked scoring offense, they're actually tied for fifth in terms of total running back carries. Just running back, not Jalen Hurts, running backs inside the 10-yard line. I'm being a little bit of a dick here. Why shouldn't I use five-yard line? Okay, they're tied for 16th inside the five-yard line. Still better than what I would have expected, given that Hurts is such a key cog in that. So Miles Sanders, especially, man, just off-cancel, Walker and those guys in tournaments, I think makes a ton of sense. A few notes for myself here on the tournaments. I mentioned the Dak stack. Also, don't mind Daniel Jones and Juan Dale Robinson with New York again in that Seattle weather. If any one of those receivers is going to be able to do something, I do think it's going to be the guy with the low A dot. Again, Rags to Riches at running back and wide receiver versus taking kind of the middle value. I think is an easy way to differentiate those lineups. So we have Derrick Henry, who his last three games against the Texans, he scored seven touchdowns. He's gone for over 200 rushing yards each and every time. He's somehow not even carrying that high of ownership. So, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley going up against the Seahawks defense that's been flamed by running backs all season long. Like, again, people aren't going up to them because they don't think they have to. That's why it's an easy, real easy way to get some differentiation in tournaments by, you know, having that tough lineup where you have to go up there only takes one time to be right. He talked about Miles Sanders, also DeAndre Swift and Eno Benjamin. If you're going to dabble in that 6K range, just realize it's Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce, and Ramondre Stevenson are the ones really driving most of the ownership in addition to Tony Pollard all the way down there. So the easy pivots off those guys, Eno Benjamin, Miles Sanders, and DeAndre Swift too. I don't even think the rules are going to look all that much different, Nick. So I think you can just talk about who's more talented. But again, one week in tournaments, don't be afraid to get a little bit different there. down at 30, what we say before, you know, how can we kind of differentiate? We pivot off the chalky guys, So we go Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Maybe, just maybe, we go DJ Moore down to 3.5K, Terrence Marshall. It's gross. If you guys tell me that you played him because I told you to, I'll deny it. If you win a million dollars playing it, I want all the credit. Marquise Goodwin, 4.4K. Two touchdowns, not illegal for a guy to score two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, especially if Locke and Metcalf wind up not playing. And yes, I do like going back to Michael Gallup. Probably won't drop out of a helicopter to tell everyone that this time, though. And finally, at tight end, Anytime George Kittle is going to be even a little bit under-owned and under 6K, I do think he warrants at least a little bit of exposure, especially with Devo Samuel out and a lot of people probably going on the Brandon Ayuk more so instead. And Mike Jasicki at 3.8K, man, like, again, the whole showcase thing is up for debate, but this is the lowest-owned guy in the Dolphins offense. And, you know, more than anything, I just want to watch the dude gritty out there, so maybe that's, like, influencing my, you know, DFS thought process here. But I just think, honestly, where we don't really have a clear chalky tight end, I mean, people are trying to get up to Tyler Higby, bro. So Pitts, Friermuth, Friermuth, and Higby seem to be where a lot of people are going. If you go just a little bit under that, I do think Mike Jasicki can make a lot of sense right there. And real quickly, just... Quick cash show lineup. I do think Sam Ellinger on DraftKings at just 4K. You don't need him to do pretty much anything in order to meet that. I think based on what you can get up to, it does make sense to roll with Ellinger running back. Hey, all those guys I just talked about fading in tournaments, they are chalky for a reason. So let's go ahead and just swoop them up in cash. Tony Pollard, DeRonda Stevenson, and Kenneth Walker are my favorite cash game plays there. At wide receiver, I do like getting up to Tyreek, DeAndre Hopkins, still underpriced relative to the target ceiling he can have, and DJ Moore. We talked about him with the volume and the matchup, appreciating that. Our cheap tight end we can save money on is Noah Fant at 2.8k. I'm almost tempted, Nick, to instead of playing just Sunday main slate cash to play like the London to the Monday night, just so we can get Harrison Bryant in there at the Stone Cold Men 2.5k. We'll see what happens. Then on defense, if you want to go all the way down to Washington, uh, it's fine. I'm a little hesitant just because then you're playing Washington against Ellinger in the same lineup, which is not optimal. But when we're saving that much money with both, you know, you probably can swallow it. If not though, just go up to 3k. We got the Patriots playing Zach Wilson. That should go fine for them. So that's going to wrap this up, everyone. Nick, let the people know what you got on PFF.com. And anything else you want to get off your chest?
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we have the DFS cheat sheet uh, week eight. We have the wide receiver cornerback matchups for week eight. Uh, we have this podcast. You can find my word yeah. on Twitter at Nick Bodiford NFL spelled N-I-C-B-O-D-I-F-O-R-D NFL. Uh, You can also find my other stuff at 4 for Four, Thirty Third team and Nerdball. But uh, come give the PFF stuff a read first.
0: Before we get out of here, sleeper. Of the week, shout out to our fine friends over at Sleeper, my favorite place to play redraft and even some dynasty football. Just love everything about that app. Works very easy. They got a bunch of animation stuff. I hate the noises it makes when you're drafting, but they provide a mute button, Nick. So if that's the only thing that really pisses me off, then you're doing a pretty good job uh, with your with your product. So my sleeper of the week. I'm going back with Michael Gallup. I think he's going to come back here. This is a classic example of a talented player in a in an extending offense with Dak back has one bad week, and we all of a sudden just write off the possibility. So, yes, if you focus on Michael Gallup in week seven of the year 2022, no, you're not going to see a guy that can even catch a football. But I like to think we've seen enough of Gallup, enough of this Cowboys offense to feel good about his potential for the rest of the season. So he's healthy. He's out there. Noah Brown's banged up. This is a matchup where they should be throwing the ball more. I am going back to Michael Gallup as a solid wide receiver three. Super going out on the limb there, Ian. So good stuff. Nick, you guys can catch all my positional breakdowns each and every week. And I also write this out in injury form. And we also get some injury analysis from our injury expert, Mario Pilato. So you can check out that little, you know, teamwork makes a dream work piece we have out over the weekend. And as always, the Sheesh Report will be out after Monday Night Football, maybe Tuesday morning, depending on when the editors do their thing. So appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, it's week eight. Week eight is uh, going to be gone next time we talk, guys. Freaking crazy how uh, fast some of this has flown by, but we still got half a season. You know, winners focus on winning, and we will continue to focus on just that. So for Nick, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.